By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. <coughs> Today, Pastor Sue Kim will preach on the topic of anchored faith. As the final part of our retreat weekend with the theme, we are who we are in the light of I am. Pastor Kim, formerly an electrical engineer, graduated summa cum laude from Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary with an MDiv in May, in May 2019. He and his wife, Christina, formerly a high school math teacher, woo, teachers, and their five children currently reside in Southwest Florida, where Sue serves as an assistant pastor at First Presbyterian Church of Bonita Springs, focusing on youth and missions. They were called to Thailand by God in 2016 and are preparing to, as a family to be cross-cultural missionaries. They hope to be in Bangkok in the summer or fall of 2021. Let us turn our attention to Pastor Kim and hear his message to us today. Hi, Crossbridge. For those who weren't at the retreat this weekend, my name is Sue Kim. I'm currently serving as a pastor in Southwest Florida, and I have had such a great joy and a great time being your retreat speaker. It's very different, but hey, that's the season that we're all in right now. And I'm just privileged and joyed to be your speaker uh, this Sunday. Now, the past few weeks, you guys have gone through a series on the biblical basis for diversity and inclusion. The retreat, we talked about um, identity, who we are in light of I am, that our identity is formed through who God is. Now, the key ingredient to all those things it's not merely an intellectual assent to know what the Bible says about diversity and inclusion or even about our identity. Um, the key ingredient to all this, brothers and sisters, is faith. Faith is absolutely key to all of these things. That it's not merely a mental decision that we make or a logical uh, thing that we deduce. We live in faith. As men and women of God, we live in faith. So as we begin this message, would you join me in a word of prayer? Bow your heads and hearts with me. Lord, thank you for this brief time around your word. We not only desire to gain information, but we want to be transformed by your word. And now, God, would you add a blessing to the reading, the preaching, the hearing, and the doing of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've ever done work around your house, or especially if you've hung large pictures up on your wall, you've likely used a stud finder. And if you're cheesy like me, you've taken that stud finder and done this. 
And my wife is looking at me like, how old are you? And you're still making those jokes. <sighs> hey, what are you going to do? It found a stud. Got a good one. But we use stud finders because if we anchor a, a heavy mirror or a heavy portrait to drywall, you're going to have a bad time. So for those heavy objects... We want to find a nice stud to hang it on so that we're secure in what we're anchoring it to. And today we're talking about faith. And I don't know if you've ever felt if your faith is anchored on drywall. You see, I'm a parent and I have faith in God. But I wondered, will my kids' faith be able to survive their lives? And the culture that they're in is what I'm teaching them. Is that, is that hanging their life and what I'm teaching them? Is that setting them up to be on drywall for eventual failure? How do we have faith when there seems to be so much science that contradicts the word of God? How can we have faith when a good, all-powerful, all-knowing God still allows pain, still allows suffering, still allows evil. It's hard to have faith when our prayers go unanswered day after day, month after month, year after years, when it seems that God is far away when it seems that God doesn't know, or even worse, when it seems that God doesn't care. It's hard to have faith when a pandemic continues on and we're unable to gather in worship and we're unable to gather in community. It's hard to have faith. And sometimes we feel like we're hanging our faith on drywall for eventual failure. But the Bible today gives us great hope. The Bible tells us that our faith is not on drywall. Our faith is anchored. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. That's Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. Now our main text is going to be Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 13. But we want to talk about what faith is. Some of you may be new to the faith, and maybe faith is a word that's tossed around a lot, and you might be curious what faith is. So we're going to start at verse 1 to talk about what faith is. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the Assurance of things hoped for and conviction of things not seen. Two firm words, conviction and assurance. Not two wishy-washy, hopeful words, but certain words. Sometimes people think of taking a leap of faith or having blind faith. That's not the biblical idea of what faith is. Faith is an assurance of what will happen in the future. 
that when Jesus says he will return, that that will happen. And faith is a conviction of things not seen. That when we believe on our Lord Jesus Christ, when we confess that Jesus is Lord, that the Bible says that we will be saved. We might not feel any different. There might not be a magical transformation in our lives. For some people, sure there are. But some of us might feel the same. But we have conviction that what Jesus said actually took place. That we are born again. That we are truly born again. That we are saved by faith. That when we gather the worship, we have conviction that we're not merely watching a computer monitor just as we do for our, our classes or watch Netflix. That there's conviction that worship is happening, that transformation is happening, that life change is happening. We have conviction that these things are happening. That's what faith is. It's not blind. It's not a leap. But it's an assurance of things hoped for, of things that will happen. It's a conviction of things that we don't see. So that's what faith is for the follower of Christ. Now what does today's text in verses 8 through 13, tell us about faith. What, will we, what might we learn about what faith is? What might God be calling us to do with faith? Verse 8 says this, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Faith acts on God's call. In the original language here, it has a connotation that when Abraham heard, he immediately obeyed. And God's call for him was to walk, he walked approximately 400 to 500 miles. That would be like me walking from Crossbridge all the way down to where I grew up in Maryland. That would be like walking from here all the way up to Montreal. A long way. But Abraham obeyed in faith. He had conviction of things not seen and assurance of things hoped for. That faith acted on God's call. And the wild thing is, when he got to that place that God said he would show him, there were people there. He follows God's call, and it doesn't look anything like he would expect. If God said, I'm going to give you a land, you would expect that land to be not filled with people. But Abraham's land was filled with people. Maybe this has been your experience. When you feel like God's called you somewhere, and it might not be what you expected. It might be different. You might even wonder, did God really call me to this? Did I hear him right? Did I discern this properly? But Abraham acted on God's call. The Bible says that he lived in tents in a foreign land. For those of us in, who are working, who are living out the American dream, Part of that dream is to have some decent square footage. It's to have a nice house, to have a fence, to have some nice cars, to have some nice possessions. But the Bible says that Abraham, in faith, lived in tents. 
He didn't dwell in a permanent place. He didn't dwell with great square footage or a nice three-car garage. He dwelled in tents because he, by faith, was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. Abraham acted on God's call. Now, I believe that regular exercise is good. I believe that eating healthy is good. I believe that overeating is bad. I believe those things. But I don't always act on those beliefs. I don't always act on them. Certainly if I'm at a buffet or we used to go to buffets before COVID. I certainly don't have the discipline sometimes to exercise every single day. So we believe it, but we might not act upon it. And in the same way, the Bible says that that's not enough. We need to act on God's call. Where has God called you? Maybe it's the school that you're at. Maybe it's in the workplace you are. Maybe he has a new calling for you, a new job. Maybe he's calling you overseas. But he's calling you. And we need to not only believe that he's calling us, but act upon it. If he's called you to your workplace, how are you acting upon that call? Are you sharing that good news with your coworkers, with those in need around you? If you feel called to your school, whether you're in middle school, high school, how are you acting on that? When you see people who are struggling, when you see classmates on Zoom who are having mental health issues, how might God be calling you to act upon where he's put you, where he's positioned you? Now, you might say, yeah, I know that I'm supposed to act on God's call. But I sure do fail a lot. So did Abraham. So did Abraham. Abraham failed God many times. If you read through his life story, he failed often. Often Hebrews 11 is called the hall of faith. But I think it should rather be called the hall of failure. Because every single person mentioned, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Rahab, Noah, Samson, none of these men and women were perfect. They all failed. But the thing is, none of their records of wrong are recorded here. The only thing that's recorded here is their faith. What's recorded is not the fact that they had a perfect record. What's recorded is the fact that they had faith, assurance of things hoped for, conviction of things not seen. That though they failed, they continued to follow God. They continued to act on God's call. And that's the only thing that is recorded in this chapter. You know, Psalms says that God as far as the, the east is from the west, God has removed our transgressions from us. This is roughly the east of your monitor. This is roughly the west. 
That's not very far. Short distance. But God says as far as the actual east is from the actual west, that's how far he has removed our transgressions from us. No matter how often you failed, no matter how much you failed, God has removed that transgression from you. That the only thing that matters now is will you act on his call? Will you act in faith? Will you, be, will you have conviction of the things not seen? Will you have assurance of the things that you hope for? So faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Faith acts on God's call. What else might today's text tell us about faith? How else are we supposed to act in faith? How do we show our faith in our mighty God? Hebrews 11 verse 11 says this, By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Faith acts on God's promise. The Bible says that Sarah acted in faith, that he, she considered him who promised to be faithful. So she acted on God's promise. She considered him faithful, and that caused her to act. Now, we talked about how Abraham acted in faith, that he walked from where he was to the land of Canaan, about 400, 500 miles. Uh, to make this a family-friendly sermon, I'm not going to talk about how Sarah acted in faith. But remember, the Bible says that she was beyond the age of childbearing, and the next year she had a baby. So she acted in faith. We're not going to talk about how she acted in faith, but she acted in faith on God's promise. She believed God to be faithful. And because of that, she acted in faith. She believed in his promise. See, nothing changed in Sarah. Remember, she was beyond the age of childbirth. She was, she was old. Abraham was old. It wasn't like suddenly Abraham looked at Sarah and was like, wow, you just got hot. Nothing changed. But she had conviction of the things that were unseen. She had conviction and assurance of the things that she hoped for. Because see, at that time, if you were barren, it wasn't, you didn't have IVF to go after. It was, it was actually a shameful and painful thing. And Sarah bore that shame and that pain. But she acted in faith on God's promise. And just like Abraham, she wasn't perfect. In fact, when she heard the promise, the Bible says she laughed. She laughed at God's promise. But that's not recorded on the pages of Hebrews chapter 11. The only thing that's recorded is the fact that she acted in faith. The only thing that's recorded in the book of life for us, brothers and sisters, is not whether we're perfect or that we never laughed at God's promise or we always trusted in God's promise, but the fact that we chose to act on his promise, especially when we couldn't see it especially when we didn't have assurance that what we hoped for would happen. So what might some of those promises be? The book of Hebrews says that he will never leave us or forsake us. So if you're feeling lonely, 
If you're struggling with your mental health because you feel all alone and abandoned, the Bible promises that He will never leave you nor forsake you. Act on that promise. Are you worried about the future and you need to discern something or you need wisdom about a decision that you want to make? James chapter 1 says that He promises that He will give us wisdom. Act on that promise. Are you feeling tempted? 1 Corinthians 10 says that when you're tempted, that He will give you a way out. That no temptation is greater. What you see might just be your temptation, how it's drawing you in, how it's drawing you to sin. What's not seen is God who's rescuing you from temptation. The God who's rescuing you from that sin. We are convicted of the things unseen. And as we learned this weekend, uh, in the book of John, that he is the good shepherd. And, be, and if you're saved, if you know his voice, if you know him as your good shepherd, no one can take you from his grasp. That your salvation is secure. That though you might not see great transformation, though you might still struggle with sin, though you might still struggle with temptation, though you might still struggle with doubt, though you might struggle with acting in your faith, you can be certain that God is your good shepherd and he will work your salvation to completion because he is faithful. Faith acts on God's promise. So faith is the assurance of things that we hope for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith acts on God's call Faith acts on God's promise. What else does today's text tell us about faith? How might we overcome challenges, especially the challenges we all face today? Verse 13 says this, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Faith is anchored in the one who came. See, brothers and sisters, everyone in this hall of faith or hall of failure died without seeing the promise. They saw in part. They saw dimly. But what the Bible testifies to so clearly and so loudly is that God came, that He came in the flesh to reveal God to us, to draw us unto Himself, to draw us into deep relationship with God, the Creator of the heavens and the earth, that we as men, as women, as humanity can have union with eternal God. These men and women died in faith. They didn't receive the things promised. But brothers and sisters, we have received that promise. That Jesus came and through a miraculous birth, he lived a sinless life. He died an atoning death. He experienced a victorious resurrection and then to a glorious ascension. And now, a perpetual intercession for you and for me. For us not to fail in our faith. 
for us to be able to act on God's call, for us to be able to act on God's promise, but most importantly, for our faith to act on God's love. That our faith is anchored, not in something we're wishing for and hoping for in the future, but our faith is anchored in one who already came, who died while we were still sinners, that we might be blameless before him. That he looks at you and he loves you, not a future version of you. He loves you as you are now. That he, when God looks at you, he sees his perfect son. He does not see a sinner. He does not see someone wrestling with their sanctification. He sees a justified son and daughter who he calls his own, who he's calling to eternal life with him. This is our God. And this is what our faith is anchored in. Our faith is not anchored on drywall. Our faith is anchored on one who came. Now, for those of you who are football fans and from New England, the score 28 to 3 might mean something to you. See, my family and I moved up to New England in 2016. So 2017 was our first Super Bowl here in New England. Now, I'm from the Maryland area, so our football team, actually our football team doesn't have a name right now. We're called the Washington football team. Uh, and we don't have hope. We don't have faith. Uh, it was odd for me around the Super Bowl time around here to experience hope in the air. You see, as a Washington football team fan, we have suffered long. I don't have faith in my team. My hope during the Super Bowl, my hopes are, I really hope that there's good food at the Super Bowl party. I hope that it's going to be a good game. I hope this new recipe I'm trying is good. That's what my hope is. But here in New England, in 2017, there was hope. There was faith that New England was going to bring home another Super Bowl. So in the third quarter, when the Atlanta Falcons went up 28-3, to I was watching with my friends from the area, and I said, hey, guys, do you, do you guys want to go out? Should we change the channel? Should we watch something else? I mean, because this is done. This is done. I, you know, I'm from the Washington area. 28-3, I mean, we're, we've already lost in the first quarter. I mean, 28-3, this is done. It's never happened before. Let's go do something else. And my friends looked at me. They said, do you see that man in the hoodie? Do you see number 12? We're going to win. We are going to win. And you know what happened? They started coming back, coming back, coming back. They tied the game, went into overtime, and they eventually won. My friends had assurance of things hoped for. And I said, 28 to 3, this has never happened before. No one's ever seen this. My friends had conviction about things not seen. They had faith. And they had faith because of their object of faith was a phenomenal coach and arguably the GOAT. Brothers and sisters, our faith, our hope is not in a coach. Our faith is not in a quarterback. 
our faith is in a God who loves us more than we even know. Our faith is in a God who came, who humbled himself, who gave up all heavenly glory and became a servant, who died a sinner's death for you and for me, that we might be reconciled to him, that we might have eternal hope in him. Our faith is an assurance of things hoped for, a conviction of things not seen. Faith acts on God's call. Faith acts on God's promise. And our faith is anchored in the one who came. So as I conclude, I want to tell you about a story when I finally achieved my big promotion. You see, I used to work as an electrical engineer, and after years of being a cubicle dweller, I finally made it. My big promotion, but most importantly, got my own office. Remember that first day I had my key, I opened the door, I walked in, <sighs> looked at my nice window, went to the window, opened the blinds, and it's a dumpster. Hey. It's a window. Windows and windows, though. Windows and windows. I mean, there's a dumpster there, but a dumpster view, but hey, I got a window. I got me an office. That's all that matters. And so it was my office, so I wanted to make it feel more like home, so I got, uh, got ready to hang some stuff up. I went to one of the assistants and said, hey, can I get some of those um, 3M hooks? You see, um, it was my office, but it was, I couldn't nail anything to the walls because I couldn't permanently hang anything. So I had to use these 3M hooks. I don't know if you've ever seen them, but they're these plastic little things that have this glue on them that hold really tight unless you pull them a certain way. And a certain weight limit. So I asked the assistant, I said, do we have any of these? Can I get some to hang my stuff up in my office? And she said, sure. Like, how, how big do you think you need? And I said, um, well, you know, what do you have? And she said, probably 15 pounds. Would that work? I said, yeah, 15 pounds would be great. I don't think I have anything that heavy. Um, so she gave me a bunch of these 15-pound hooks. I took most of that morning just hanging stuff up, framing things, pictures of my family, uh, pictures of, you know, just different places I've gone, degrees, uh, mirrors, and all kinds of stuff to make my office feel more like home. So I was done with it, and it looked great, and I went home. The next morning, I came back into work, and I was shocked at what I found when I opened the door. Glass was everywhere. Just about everything I hung up the night before fell down. I went to the assistant and said, what happened? You said these were 15-pound hooks and nothing really stood up. She looked and she said, you know, I'm so sorry. Someone used these hooks before and they ended up putting the 2-pound hooks into the 15-pound box. So what you thought were 15-pound hooks were only 2-pound hooks. The object of my faith wasn't strong enough to hold up that object of great price. Brothers and sisters, that is not the case with our God. Our God came, died for us while we were still sinners, and lives now and is interceding for us now that our faith may not fail. That no matter what you're struggling with right now, 
Jesus is interceding for you that your faith will not fail. Our faith is anchored in the one who came. Our faith will not fail. Our faith will not be on drywall and crumble down and cause damage. And the reason why we can be full of faith is because our God is faithful. The people of God can be full of faith because our God is faithful. He has not failed and he will not fail us now. Brothers and sisters, fix your eyes on the author and the perfecter of your faith. So faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith acts on God's call. Faith acts on God's promise. But most importantly, our faith is anchored in the one who came. So no matter what you're going through right now, no matter how difficult it is right now, your faith is anchored on no less than the Son of God, than God Himself, the Creator of the heavens and the earth, the Spirit that was sent to dwell with us, to empower us, that we might live for the glory of God. So as we started, we talked about not just logically thinking about the biblical basis for diversity inclusion or just the biblical basis for our identity. So brothers and sisters, may, you, may your faith cause you to act on God's call. May your faith cause you to act on God's promise. But most importantly, may you remember and may you act on the fact that our faith is anchored in the one who came, the one who died, the one who rose again, and the one who sent his spirit among us, that we might dwell with him in power and for eternity.